I'm Rachel Spachak with the Idaho Press. And I'm JJ Saldana with the Idaho Commission on Hispanic Affairs. And you're listening to The Latino Card on Radio Boise, KRBX 89.9 FM, Caldwell, Boise. And we're joined by two very special people. Uh, we have Patricia Santos Marcantonio. Hello. We also have a um, weird ghostly presence <laughs> among us. Um, I think Nicole Foy is in the building. I am. Mm, spooky. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know how I got back in here. We can hear you, but we can't see you. Yeah, I know. And that's like literally true, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, Patricia is an award-winning journalist, author, and playwright. Um, and she's here to talk a little bit about her work. And um, I was hoping, Patricia, you could give us a little bit um, about your your background, kind of your Idaho roots. Well, I have, well, we've been here for more than 40 years, so kind of roots. <laughs> but I was born actually in, in Pueblo, Colorado, and we've been here for a long, long time. Um, I have a daughter that was born here, so she's in Idaho. And um, and uh, we came up for uh, we came up for my husband got a job and I I got a job later and we've been here and love it. And you have a play coming up, correct? That's right. It's uh, Tears for Yarona, and that will be uh, performed at uh, two p.m. at seven p.m. November first at the Hispanic Cultural Center in Nampa. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Sure. Uh, this was actually based on one of my short stories that I had done, uh, did. It's a retelling of the Yarona tale, and I kind of modernized it for the play. And um, it was it, it it was I was approached actually in uh, by the Magic Valley Arts Council in Twin Falls, where we used to live, for a play. And I they said, "Can you write a play?" <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, I'll give it a shot." <laughs> so. Um, I, I went to always this story that I love. I heard the Yarona story when I was a kid and it terrified me. And <laughs> plus we live by a cemetery, so, which was really cool. So we play the Yarona, you know, my sister and I would just like terrify each other. It was great. Uh, and so that story's always stuck with me. I think I wrote a novel about her and, um, the play, the short story and then eventually the play, uh, and it's a, a modern retelling, uh, where I kind of mix the, old and new where uh, a pregnant teenager stays with her abuelita and her abuelita tells her the story of the Yarona. Just to back up a little bit, you kind of are, are drawn to, to ghost stories, <laughs> right? If I'm, if I'm getting that correct. Oh yeah. I love it. You know, I'm, you know, and everybody says, you're, you're, you're such a happy person. But you know, I, when I was a kid, I used to love, oh, I, tales from the crypt. And I, I think cause I was such a happy kid and I had such a happy life. I'd listen like, those dark tales and uh, the Yorona was just great uh, for that. For that, and then, like I said, living by the cemetery, it was uh, it was like uh, heaven. So <laughs> for a kid. And so for our listeners that don't know about La Yorona, can you give us a little brief? Sure, sure. Um, you know, it's you know, I think a lot of let Hispanics will know this story in one form or another. And this was the story I heard from actually my my mom and dad. And this was basically about a beautiful woman, and um, but she liked men, and she liked to party, and um, she uh, drowned her children in a river. And of course, God punished her, took away her beauty, took of course took the babies to heaven, and she was turned into this horrible apparition that was doomed to wander the night and and basically cry f and look for her her lost children. And um, 
And so that's why I said we we'd go under the streetlights by where uh, where by the uh, there was a streetlight over the cemetery entrance where I grew up, and and that was a perfect place. You could you'd look for this weeping woman in white going, "Where are my children?" And so, uh, and that's what the Yarona is that she's looking for. Yarona, of course, means uh, a crying woman, weeping woman, in in. Uh, in Spanish. What I love about the story that you just told is that like yeah. I've heard like 10 different versions. Yeah. <laughs> so like I'm I'm already like like comparing it like one of the th- like crucial versions I've heard of like the La Llorona story is like she was she was spurned by a man and then yeah, you know like yeah, I heard that yeah. one. <laughs> well, you know, I I doing research on this, you know, for uh, this, my short story and all the essays and stuff I wrote about her. You know, I kind of learned that, that that there is there's multiple tellings, there's different tellings um and, you know, and it really kind of harkens back to, uh, I think it wouldn't uh, said that it might have come from Malenche, which is basically the woman who, the uh, the indigenous woman who worked with Cortez to help defeat the Aztecs, and that it harkens back to her. She had a, a child by Cortez, and Cortez took off. So um, so that could have been one thing. And one of the one fascinating ones I heard, I, I did in my research, where I found that there was an Aztec lore that told of a, of a goddess, and I and I can't pronounce. I don't want to mispronounce her name, um, but she appeared apparently before the invasion of Cortez to, came to the Aztec capital, and that she was crying for her lost children, and people saw that maybe as an omen to the fall of the Aztec Empire. And then you know, and I'm also a Greek mythology nut too, and so there, and so we mustn't we mustn't forget Medea, who was married to Jason, who's Gain frame from Jason and the Argonauts, and um, out of jealousy, she ended killing. I think their two children also. Um, so you know the myth is is there and it's been there and how it kind of came here to to Mexico and then uh, through the, the the countries with other with there where people traveled uh, from Mexico. It has like many variations, so I'm not sure where it came from, but it's still a really a great fascinating story. Yeah, and I think it's cool. Yeah, like we said, it kind of changes from family to family, like what what your mom told you, and then and then your grandma. Um, and so this episode is obviously um, set around Halloween, Dia de los Muertos time. So I guess like, are you guys feeling in the spooky spirit? How do you guys feel about Halloween? <laughs> I love Halloween, and I love um, Dia de los Muertos. I just the whole dressing up in costumes, but. Watching scary movies, too, has always been a thing. But there's something about, like, I think with the Hispanic Latino community with our scary stories that, for me, I feel like they're scarier than your typical scary stories because we have, you know, La Llorona, and people actually believe in La Llorona. And then you have El Cucuy, which was one that (laughs) all uh, Mexican children, I think, were scared of growing up. And so I think um, it's it's just fun. What do you guys think? I'm going to hop in real quick and say that, like, from from the outside perspective as a white person. I think that it, in my personal humble experience, um, Mexican ghost stories seem to have much more of a point than than like white people ghost stories. Like we tend to tell stories just to scare people, but your guys is, has, seems to have a lesson, and I really like that because I think we could. <laughs> I think we all need to be taught things. And I like that. I think it's a very effective tool of teaching people things. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's always been like the thing I've noticed. It's is always that... because somebody did somebody wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm also fascinated with brujas, which are Mexican mm-hmm. witches. Um, I, I, yeah, I did a lot of study on that. I'm hoping to do uh, 
a book on that, um, a novel. But uh, you know, um, we. You know, we didn't do it when I grew up. We didn't do so much as the Kukulia of like dragging you under the bed and all that stuff. But <laughs> but my dad did have some great stories about uh, uh, about uh, Mexican witches who really kind of uh, would like curse people that they were kind of like peeled off at. <laughs> so they really they, and then so they'd go to the curanderos the, or the curanderas, the healers, and they would uh, they would go for these cures. And my dad told this great, great story about somebody that he, either he knew or someone, I don't know how it got to him, but about a, um, a couple who had a cake, uh, was given a cake by this woman, and apparently she had a grudge against them. And they put the cake up, and they were going to eat it later. So they got the cake back down, and the cake was covered with maggots. Um, I love those stories. <laughs> Gross. That's very disturbing. <laughs> it is. Actually, I use that in my novel, so nobody can nobody can use that story. But anyway. <laughs> you should have seen Rachel on my faces because we both were like, <laughs> "Oh, there's great ones." And New Mexico has wonderful ones during, during the uh, during the Depression. Um, you know, part of this uh, to put Americans back to work, uh, they had a writers' project or a history project, and they would do these uh, uh, verbal. Uh, oral stories about witches and they they did New Mexico and they have a wealth of them about the Yarona and about Cuya and then they and about witches and one of my favorites is a, a story from there is about a of course a witch that cursed somebody and the man had was getting these raised black uh blisters all over him and they got the curandero cut him open and there were bugs inside i love that story and so there you know i i i think the tales uh were i can't know a lot about i think um it was ash who's saying about that there's points i think there's a lot about faith and revenge and um uh, and healing through some of these stories at least i like to put them that way let's get back to talking a little bit about patricia's play so if you could talk about where it's going to be performed kind of what what your work with it has been right um i actually got a uh, a grant uh, from the alexa rose foundation to do the play and um like i said it we had it was produced in twin falls and then, but I thought here in the Hispanic Cultural Center, I approached them, and then I got the grant to do it. And I've never, um, so I when I when it was produced in Twin Falls, I was kind of like the author, so I'd just sit back and like watch. But being <laughs> as the director now, it's been such a great learning experience for me. And so um, we've been, oh my gosh, I think we've been practicing like six months or uh, great cast from the community, and um, I think. Like I think all but two, we have about ten, I think, in the cast, and all but two have been, have, uh, only two have been acting else before, and the rest of them haven't. They're all kind of natural and great. It's I, it's a fun play. We're, it's very visual. We actually have the monster, the the Yorona, which was kind of fun to design and the whole thing. So. And it's going to be airing on Radio Boise as well. Yes, that was fun. I, I think I approached uh, Wayne and. Uh, and thought this might be a cool radio play. I've written radio plays. This was actually my second radio play that I turned from my other play. And so um, they were, you guys, Radio Boys was gracious enough to let us do this and um, with special effects and the whole thing and, or sound effects, not special effects, sound effects. And, um, and I believe Wayne's will be November 2nd. So November third. November third. I'm sorry. No, it's kind of third. old school. Radio I, plays like super old school. Like, are you guys gonna record it in here we, or like play the recording? Uh, no, I don't know. We did. We did record the the whole cast came in and um 
and and we had and like I said, I had to rewrite the play, radio plays. Of course, you know I, I've written screenplays too, and so radio play from screenplays you have more visual things going on, and then plays you have you can't do any special effects, and then radio plays are really basic because then you have just the voices and the emotion, and then uh, sound effects. So it's really kind of like very basic, but you have to kind of like I learned a lot working with Radio Boise, and um, and like I said. I had written this other radio play and which was kind of fun, but so it, it was kind of a, another great learning experience. And I think the cast had a blast doing it. So I think I told myself after this, no more yet on a story. I was going to so. say like, you've really <laughs> yeah. got a theme going. I do. Well, she, she's so, you know, to me, she's, you know, the, uh, the epitome of like this, either spurn woman and, uh, and in the play, the play, as I mentioned, it was, it's about a pregnant teenager who doesn't, he's not sure if she wants his baby and, but the abuelita, her abuelita tells her, okay, let me tell you the story about this other woman who basically has a baby and she loses her husband and she loses her husband and the husband doesn't see the baby and she's, of course, in despair. And and when she has the baby or when the baby is born and the husband has died, she tells her baby, oh, you'll never have, you'll never have reason to, to cry because I've cried a river for your father. And of course, she ends up spoiling the child, and then <laughs> all hell breaks loose after that. But, but it's really a story about redemption and love, and and the price of love, and um, with that. So that's why it's such a fascinating story for me because you could tell it a bunch of ways. I have a question for you. Do you ever get bad dreams because you're like yeah. so invested <laughs> in this stuff? Like this stuff gives me nightmares. <laughs> you know, I you know not really. I not really. You know, I'm a big Walking Dead fan, so the only nightmares I would have like it was of zombies coming after me. But none of this stuff for some her, reason. Her, her dreams are just inspiration for yeah. other plays. For other plays, and well, I'd actually I had written a novel, um, and it was published a few years ago, called The Weeping Woman. But this one was about a, a police detective who was investigating a, ch- a series of child uh, kidnappings that kind of echoed the Yerona. So I said, no more after this. My my, my short film, no, no more Yerona stuff. I'm going to go on, move on to something other scary. So, But you're going to stick with scary. I, You know, I well, I do. I also have a mystery series out and... Um, Felicity Carroll is a Victorian mystery, and uh, and she's got. I also like strong females, so I read a lot of strong females, and so that's out. And then I have um, a, a, a like I said, this weeping woman that was uh, and uh, out in a a child actually a ghost story. I do have a child ghost book out, and then I have one of my my uh, most proudest one is called Verdict in the Desert, and it was published by uh, Arte Publico Press, which is out of the University of Houston, and it's the largest publisher of Latino literature in the United States. And that's a, that's kind of a, um, it's a courtroom drama, very based in, with a lot of Latino characters. And um, and I'm very proud of that one. So so I do do other things besides scary. (laughs) I try to romance, but I'm having a hard time selling that one. (laughs) Maybe I need to like put in a ghost in there or something. Maybe it'll sell after that. So yeah, have you guys, uh, JJ and Nicole, have any La Llorona experiences like seeing her or seeing her? I've never seen her. I mean, as a kid, we would play different things. Like Bloody Mary was one of the things that we would play as a kid, but. I've never saw her either when I would say Bloody Mary in the mirror <laughs> to the mirror. Yeah, Halloween was banned in my house, so like we didn't discuss 
Yeah, well, not either, because that was not allowed. That's weird that ghosts ban Halloween. Hey, okay, you can only use these. You only get like three ghost jokes this whole show, JJ, and I think you've hit your limit. Well, I think, you know, the Yarona tale, I, I didn't necessarily equate that with Halloween. I mean, that was like every day. Right. All, during the summer, you know, we couldn't look for it during the winter because it was snowing in Colorado. Yeah. But, you know, that was like all, anytime it was summery, we'd play and there, uh, we'd play in Sears. So I didn't necessarily growing up relate her to Halloween because it was just like everyday part of life. Yeah. Well, I think what Ash said, though, too, where I was, I was thinking about how you said, you know, it seems like Mexican ghost stories are like a lot more intense than, <laughs> than, and, and I think it's because they're not just like ghost stories meant for like a time of year when you, when you meant, when you like want to be scared. I, I don't know. Like, this is just kind of like my take is like, I feel like generally sometimes like uh, at least, you know, Latinos and, and Mexicans in my family are a little bit more intense. And so I think it's yeah. just kind of a cultural thing. And also too, there's a very like, well, like we've, we've talked before about how there is like maybe more of a, I don't know, ex- acceptance or like fascination with death that I don't really think exists maybe in other cultures. Yeah, in American culture in particular. You want to pretend nobody's ever going to die and we're all going to be superheroes. Yeah, oh. it's like, I feel like American scary stories it ends with boo, not like <laughs> <laughs> she drowned her kids. <laughs> and wandered the earth for the rest of eternity. Yeah. I know. Well, you know, I too, I think that, that, I, that to me it always had, maybe because I, I grew up with this, you know, it had a, um, Although I don't, I don't know if you want to believe that there was a, uh, this crazy woman running around there, but but I think also those stories had a bit of a um, a, st- a kind of a foothold in reality, mm-hmm. um, and I maybe because you know my beloved parents told them to me, and and um, so you you had to trust them. But I remember telling also a story my mom where uh, where she when she when my brothers and they were uh, a little bit old they were older than me. Where she took one to a healer, one of my brothers, to to get some help, and um, and the, he she would do the rubbing on the stomach with an egg. I don't know. It sounds weird. I've heard of that. Yeah, where she would do this other stuff, and she told me that great story about about this healer that used to come that be used to be available where she where she was young and had my brother, my uh, my oldest brother, and so it was a really fascinating stuff. So it had a, a step a bite in reality. These things with that we will go on another break we will come back with nicole and patricia so just stay tuned we'll be right back and welcome back to the latino card where we are celebrating halloween and dio de los muertos i'm gonna butcher that a little bit worse (laughs) um we're celebrating with patricia and nicole and we thought we'd do something kind of cool, kind of different. We don't play a lot of music on the show, but since it's Halloween, since we're trying to get spooky, Nicole was like, oh, I got this. And she handed me a CD and I've listened to it. So Nicole, um, what am I going to, what am I playing right now? Like, what is this? Well, it's nothing that's going to get you fired, I swear. But uh, basically, um, you you guys were asking for ghost stories and you were asking for Latino ghost stories. You were asking for Idaho Latino ghost stories. And so I immediately when I when I saw them asking this I was like Ash you have you guys have to play this um if some of you guys may I think maybe you guys have talked about it before for other episodes but there was um a couple of years ago a book produced um called um Nuestros Corridos um um a woman named um Anna Maria Chactel um in Idaho who's kind of like our 
our local like Latino historian helped put it together where a bunch of artists got to pick stories from Idaho history and turn them into a song, a corrido, which is kind of like a Mexican ballad that's supposed to tell the story, tell a true story, and hopefully it will go far. Like it originated, um, you know, in the, you know, a couple hundred years ago in, in Mexico. And so one of the ones in this book, which like if you're interested in this book, this is no one paid me to say this, I swear. You can get this book um, at Rediscovered Books and see all of the history stories. But I love it because I learn about um, just Latino history that doesn't really make the mainstream here in Idaho. And one of them is that you may not know that a ton of um, Mexican immigrants were actually in Idaho not to work in agriculture like we normally you know, think about when we think about Mexican immigrants coming to Idaho, they were actually here much earlier in around 1870 working in the mines. Not only did they work in the mines, uh, but also they, many of them were very famous mule packers that um, were responsible for getting all of the, um, you know, the, the new equipment and stuff across the mountains from usually from Boise up into Idaho City or something like that. Anyway, that's a nice setup for kind of a sad story. Um, this uh, corrido is about um, one um, one man named Miguel uh, Soto, who was a beloved and hardworking muleteer, I guess. And they he was carrying a lot of gold, which was kind of one of the things. They're like the, the mailmen of those days, too. And somebody murdered him. <laughs> anyway, so I'll That's just really let the rest of the matter. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I mean, it's one of those things where like, I don't know how else to say this. So this song just kind of tells the story of Miguel and his phantom mule train that people would hear in the mountains after he died. Mula, mira, mula, arre, mula. Miguel Soto was an honest and a hard-working man Learned about skinning mules in 49 Packing in the grub, the red-eye and the tunes For the men at the high Sierra mine Salmon mines were a-booming when he came to Idaho Packing freight from Boise up to Loon in fall of 1870, he sold off all his stock. Three grand in gold is singing him a tune. Miguel soon would be a-leaving Idaho for good. Going back to California at last. His dulce corazon was awaiting patiently. His hard days packing freight would soon be passed. Mule train, mule train, Miguel drove a 50 mule train. At Cottonwood near Boise, he camped one final night. Cooked some bacon and some beans for the day A no-good thieving outlaw shot him in the head He took the gold and quickly stole away Troops from old Fort Boise 
rode out to the sea to catch the bucket they rode in vain cause all they ever saw was Miguel Soda's ghost giving orders to his phantom mule train mule train mule train Miguel drove a phantom mule train Near Miguel's final camp On the sagebrush hills And up the dusty draws Honest men would swear They saw Miguel Soda's ghost Cracking whips And yelling gee and ha Mule train Mule train Miguel drove a 50 mule train Mule train, mule train, Miguel drove a phantom mule train. That was quite the song, Nicole. <laughs> I told you it was intense. I mean, so yeah, so if you believe in ghosts and you're up hiking in the hills and you hear something weird you don't know it could be phantom mule train it's halloween you don't never know i don't know (laughs) yeah do you know who like made the song like who the singer is yeah so his name is uh gary eller he is a um he's idahoan a lot of idahoans got together to um like tell these songs and um he wrote the lyrics and the music and and that's him performing it so shout out to gary it's an uh, it's an awesome song i love it (laughs) Yeah, I hear I heard some banjo in there. <laughs> it's good. It's like a very it's a very typical like western. I love it cuz it's it's like kind of my whole thing. It's like I love western stories, but I never felt like Mexicans and Latinos had a place in them until you kind of look at history and you're like that you know, a huge portion of western history is actually Mexican and Mexican American history. And and so this is a great example. This is like a very typical, you know, if we're talking about ghost stories around a campfire, talking about cowboys and miners, like Mexicans were there too and they actually had a really big impact on the communities they around and they even created some ghost stories. Yeah, and like through this one, it doesn't seem like Miguel is is like haunting anyone or anything. He's just like chilling up there with his mule. He's finishing his job. I mean, right. I don't know. That sounds pretty Mexican to me. Like he's right. he's he's got to finish his his job. He came there to do a thing. <laughs> I think this is also cool because it's kind of Idaho based too. So I was wondering, Patricia, if you know of any other like kind of things like this that that are here in Idaho or like Idaho ghost stories yeah Yeah. oh okay well funny the best Idaho (laughs) ghost stories well funny you should mention that I'm uh I I'm a partner in a uh, small regional press called uh, River Street Press and we put together oh this was several years ago called Hauntings from the Snake River Plain and um it's available uh, it's a big seller at the Idaho Penitentiary Historic Penitentiary where it's on sale um but we made a call for um maybe true and then kind of more fictional ghost stories. So it's chock full of them. Um, we have one about the, I think the penitentiary and, uh, I think I, I had did one on, uh, Lincoln school in, uh, and 
in uh, Twin Falls, which was haunted by a teacher, and the oh. Twin Falls Library also that was haunted by, I guess, a librarian. And then they had a big fire, and after the fire, the the uh, the librarian was nowhere to be seen. But there's also some great uh, from some local authors that have some great uh, fiction stories in there as well. So I feel like we yeah. need to backtrack. All of those things mm-hmm. you just described happen at one school in <laughs> in the Magic Valley area. Like, well, should yeah. we be warning well, yeah. people at that school? <laughs> well, this was Lincoln Elementary when oh, okay. they saw this. And then there was a bar. We wrote about a bar in Stricker Ranch, I think, uh, out there, uh, which was um, a... Uh, a stage stop, and um, and again, of course, the and and so the, it's called again hauntings from the Snake River Plain, and it's available online and also um, at the the state historic penitentiary. That's very cool. So, where do you um, get these stories? Is it just by talking to people or, or reading reading literature? Are you talking about the book? The book yeah, itself? yeah. Where well, you got those? Yeah. Stories? Well, we we yeah we kind of when we were when we put the the book together, my partner and I. Uh, we we kind of like said we want to do this. Uh, everybody loves scary stories, so we put out a call to authors, and so um, and and we also looked at like some of the haunted sites on online, and we found a few was uh, I think there's quite a few here too in Boise, and uh, and actually one of the best ones I think was at a uh, a vast uh, boarding house in Boise. <laughs> And we t- interviewed the woman down there, and uh, she had some great stories uh, for us. Like near where we're at right now? Yeah, I think so. I think so. it's like two blocks away. Yeah, oh, really? Are we calling the ghost to us? I don't believe in ghosts, so I don't know how this works. Like, yeah. so are they call? Are we calling the ghost to us by telling by talking about it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> this is where it's revealed that like Radio Boise has been closed for forty years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you talking about the the oh, the Hispanic? Uh, center there there they had a, a boarding house at just at the bass block yeah. yeah 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 we went through there that's that's really kind of a cool place too. i do kind of wonder if there are any haunted houses in the north end because they're all kind of old <laughs> that's probably where they're all at yeah i wonder if it's my house for that's real why I'm saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and with that we're going to take one more um quick break and then when we come when we come back we're going to talk about um Halloween and spooky, and we're going to tell more ghost stories. Nicole's going to tell us her great ghost stories because she's super into ghost stories. Isn't what? that right? Yeah. She's all about ghosts. No, uh. she's super into ghost stories. She tells it's all she talks about, just ghosts, ghosts, ghosts oh, all the time. Lord. This is a joke because Nicole does not believe in ghosts, so we're going to talk about that <laughs> when we get back. Let's talk about ghosts. Yeah, so um, as we mentioned, Halloween is the Saturday. Dia de los Muertos is Monday or Tuesday? Yeah, Monday. Tuesday. Monday. Um, and so we're talking about spookiness and I don't know, I think I'm feeling a lot of energy in this room about how people feel about spookiness, spirituality, folklore. JJ, how do you feel? Well, I, I, I don't know if I believe or don't believe, but I get scared pretty easily. So as a kid, when family would talk to you, give you different stories, the folklore was there. And it always seemed like it was a story like, well, your tia or your tío knew this person. So it was always like connected to family members. So when they told stories, so they'd be like, oh, your cousin went through this. And so you're like, oh, okay. And so that's, I think, what makes stories a little bit more scary for me. 
when they kind of said, oh, but somebody you know was affected by this. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's how like Mexicans draw you in is <laughs> yeah. it's like your own cousin. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes it's like, well, it's a cousin, her sister's aunt. And you're like, is this person real? We've passed through several layers of like someone who I don't know. That's true. Sometimes it is. It's like your cousin's sister's roommate in college. This brother did this. And you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And you're like seven. So you're like, of course, this person who I've known my whole life. This makes total sense. Nicole, I'm just fascinated that you don't believe in ghost stories. A lot or, of people don't believe in ghosts. No, but like, what did you think as a kid when they when you'd get ghost stories? Were you scared? Um, I don't know. Okay, here's the thing about me too. I don't like scary movies. I don't watch horror movies. I can literally count on one hand, like the the scary movies that I've seen in my life, and they include, um, I think, Prom Night. And another stupid movie that you watch as a teenager, like I have no, like that was not a good. It's not good ghost story. So like that's it. Like that's like sounds like a romantic comedy. It's not. Me. It's like it's about a serial killer. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so it's not even a ghost story. <laughs> so that should just lay the baseline for like scary things is not my thing. Like I don't go looking for that. I don't understand people who are like wake up in the morning and go, you know. This is what I should do today. I should just absolutely terrify myself so I can't sleep tonight. That makes zero sense to me. So it seems like it's an avoidance thing for you, Nicole. It's like <laughs> like, like you Boom. don't really want to think about it so much because you're scared. So you just say, I don't believe in it. I don't believe in no, it. Just because you're scared. I, I, <laughs> Okay, well, we should preface this with Rachel. Like, I would like to ask Rachel what she what she thinks about ghost stories because Rachel's the kind of person who will just like suddenly turn to you like she did yesterday, like not yesterday, like a couple of weeks ago when we were having a nice social distanced hangout outside. Just goes, I've been thinking a lot about witchcraft, like <laughs> just just randomly. So like this is this is the person who's interrogating me right now about my ghost story work. feelings. No, no, I mean I'm not like into like brujaria and stuff like that so much. I, I'm just kind of exploring certain certain aspects of like spirituality. Like I recently like uh, burnt sage in my apartment to like get rid of my negative energy. That's just cool. yeah, like stuff like that. Looking into kind of energies and what we put out into the universe this is taking a very weird (laughs) but that's kind of where I'm at like I think Ash said it best when we were hanging out is someone I think Ruben um our friend's (laughs) husband he co-hosted last year's Halloween episode you know we yeah you forget Rebecca's name (laughs) well it's been a couple weeks she's been on Rebecca's husband Ruben yeah it's last year for our Halloween episode he said I it's like this thing that stuck with me most. Like we say a lot of amazing things on this show, but me as a producer, it was my favorite quote. Cause he just said like, Oh, I don't believe in ghosts. He paused. And then he was like, but I ain't messing with it. Yeah. That's exactly, <laughs> that exactly how exactly I feel. Yeah. Like I'm not going to go hang out in a haunted house. Cause I don't believe ghosts aren't real. Ghosts, ghosts aren't real. But like, it's, it's, it's like, it's not a thing that plays into my everyday life, but I'm not going to go mess with stuff just to see what happens. So my boss gave me, um, a voodoo doll. She went to um, New Orleans for work, and she came back and got me a voodoo doll. And I didn't know what to, how to. Yeah, like, what is she trying to say? I'm like, okay, so do I name it after someone? What do I do now? Yeah, Patricia, what what do you what, what do you believe in ghosts? You know, I I I actually I am kind of open to the idea. I I really am. Oh, and I'll tell you a very personal story. Why? Um, I'll tell you. Like I said, I've grown up with um, all these stories, and um, but you never kind of. I, I used to be a former reporter, so 
for newspaper and radio and television. And so really, you know, I really had to see evidence. And so, um, and hopefully I won't cry on this one, but, but, um, I, my, uh, my mother had died. And so I was there and my daughter was pregnant with my granddaughter. And so when my mom was dying, I told her that, um, my daughter was going to have a girl. So my mom passed away and my, my, uh, daughter and, um, and the babe was what my daughter had the baby and her and her husband came and, um, we were at the cemetery and, um, the baby, I think my granddaughter was must have been maybe six, seven months old or something. And she was in her care and we had her by the, the, the grave site. And there was no one there except my, me, myself and my daughter and um, her husband. And my granddaughter looked over and was smiling and waving. And there was no one there. And so I really, and I don't know if I was thinking, but I'm thinking, you know, I think my parents were so into family that I really truly believe that they they were there and seeing her, this new baby. Wow. So. Yeah, I love that. I kind of believe your granddaughter was probably seeing that. I think, I, I, I I think, think so, so because we all looked up and, and where she was waving to and there was no one there. I mean, we were alone in this big cemetery and we all I remember we all looked at each other and got the chills but it was actually somewhat comforting too I think um so it was so when you're talking about being scared about ghost stories I don't think necessarily that I think we're all in this uh, you know in society and media and stories and even I write scary stories with ghosts but I think some ghosts um or spirits or whatever can be um there for reasons and for completion and for other things I I I uh, I majored in psychology in um, college, and one of the best courses I took was on the psychology of the supernatural. And there was explanations for everything uh, that goes, because, you know, our, our, our brain is energy, pure energy. And then sometimes when we die, their energy will stay for some reason or another. And um, and so I, I, I really I believe that, that I think that, Energies, spirits, whatever ghosts, whatever you call it, can can stick around. I am one hundred percent with you on that. One. <laughs> I was going to say the exact same thing Rachel said. Well, yeah. I was so fascinated by that course, and you know, it made me want to be uh, like 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 major in that. But I, you know, the only thing job I could get was being like a ghostbuster. So I, you know, <laughs> so I said, oh, well, maybe I better not be a ghostbuster. That sounds like a cool job. <laughs> it sounds like great. But I probably, you know. I made more as a reporter, not much that much more probably. But reporters make so much money. Yeah, we yeah we all right. We made, <laughs> that's the scariest thing you said. Was, yeah. That's yeah, that's been really scary. The much I look back on yeah on what I made, it was it was it was horrifying. Yeah. Well, I feel like what you described too is a really good way to maybe like transition into talking about how Dia de los Muertos is diff is in the whole idea of it. Because it, it's very similar to what you described, right? And it's very similar yeah. than maybe the American version of Halloween. Like people think it, like people think that's just Mexican Halloween, right? And it's something no, totally it's different. No, totally different. It's it's yeah, it's uh, you know, it's basically a celebration of this life. And in fact, you know, uh, this um, you know, I, I I think there's lore that 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 this is when the the spirits of the dead will come back and that's why people make the little ofrendas the altars with their favorite foods and the whole thing and um you know and and uh and so it's kind of like very hopeful and, and to teach not or i think part of the lesson there is that you're teaching not to be afraid of death which is a cycle of life and um and i read something that always stuck with me that 
and I think you used it in one of my novels that that I heard that that the the, the spirits of the children always come back first, um, and I just love that. And so, you know, being older person, you know, you're you're kind of like, yeah, you know, you're always kind of worried about the end. But I think El Dia de los Muertos always gives gives you know the scariness of the the skulls and everything is kind of off putting. But in a way, it's kind of like, well, this is one more step in life, and. Um, and you know that there's something hopeful because you will return to your loved ones on that, that special day. And hopefully they'll keep you in your hearts and other I love, times. I love that. It's also about um, keeping that memory alive. That's right. Life. Yeah, that is. That is right. Not only that day as, as a celebration, but, you know, all, all your life. Yeah, and I guess Halloween's probably just like a more commercialized, <laughs> spooky version of that. I don't know. I, I yeah, like and because like, like, sure. I, never, I never, you know, celebrated... Mm-hmm. Um, Dia de los Muertos either but um, I do love the idea of it and in which like a lot of I think it captured you know the Disney-fied version in, in Coco but I love the idea of keeping people's memory alive and the idea that if you and it's it's a terrifying idea that if you that if you leave that that you know if you leave this world that people will never remember you and so like that is something that I find really touching and important about the day is especially as you think about like your own loved ones has have passed it's not about you know someone coming back to haunt you it's about keeping the memory alive because we loved this person so much in life that we don't want to forget them in death and we want to make sure that um you know their memory can still can still be a blessing and still can still be important to people and that's something that i've always loved as someone who's never really gotten involved in in celebrating it also, I think with with the day, you know, it's also a reminder that you know I was a great believer that, you know, that they're 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 also your loved ones are also still with you because they're in your blood. They're, you know, your your D, part of their your DNA is their DNA, and so there's there's that's also uh, a wonderful thing to, that that kind of this day, this uh, this time makes you kind of remember. Well, hey, they're always be around because they're in me. They're part of me, so. But this is just a wonderful tradition to look at. That's yeah, it's beautiful. That's a beautiful note to end on. Uh, so we're out of time, actually. Um, so Patricia, do you want to plug your play one oh. last time? Okay, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> again, it's uh, it's the original play Tears for Yarona, and it'll be on um, November first, uh, on Sunday, November first, at the Hispanic Cultural Center. Uh, performances at two and seven, and I feel bad now because I didn't bring the. I think if you look them up on their website, and uh, the uh, tickets will be at the door, but they are going to be very limited because of COVID and um, must wear masks. But I think it'll be a fun play, very visual kind of. We have some cool, scary El Dio de los Muertos masks running around, and of course a, a monstrous woman. So people for. You know, I, I think we advise maybe kids under ten, parents with kids under ten. It might be a little scary. For them. Or for Nicole. For Nicole. <laughs> I am really excited to Ragger. catch their radio play. Like, that sounds amazing. Yeah, that's, yeah, so you can, again, that's going to be um, here on Radio Boise on November 3rd, right? Is that what we decided on? Thanks for listening and supporting us. It's great to have Nicole's voice back on. Just in another room, ghostly apparition. I'm literally looking at them through a window. It's really, it's really like weird. an orphan in a Dickens novel, Rachel like her hands have, on the glass. I have a restraining order against her. That's why. Yeah. And thank you for this opportunity to talk about the play. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, so again, that's going to do it for us. Make sure to um, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Um, we're all really active on Twitter. You can find us at the Latino Card. That's You can find us at the Latino Card on SoundCloud, Twitter, Facebook. Not on Instagram yet, but we're getting there. Um, so thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys in a couple weeks. Hasta luego.